Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 52. In tonight's episode, we will be exploring the increasing significance of mercenary units in the game of Infinity. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Can you have too much of a good thing? But before we get into all of that, we want to take a moment to thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of all things Infinity as part of its sponsorship of Metachemistry. Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons, as well as a $40 gift card that we will be raffling off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page, join our Discord to ensure you are entered to win. What's better than games? Mo Games. So let's check in with our lineup for our episode tonight. Our lineup consists of Devin, Ian, and myself. Let's check in with Devin. Devin, what's going on, buddy? Uh, yeah, we kind of mentioned it last time, but we're about ready to kick off the Escalation League at a local store. So we've had uh, a lot of a lot of new players coming in, which is great. Uh, and so people have been kind of getting up to speed with the rules since then. And then we'll kind of use this as kind of a structured format just to kind of encourage participation and get people out to um, kind of use this ladder system to kind of mix rankings a little bit. Because one thing that we want to, or that I'm trying to avoid with this sort of thing is that, oh, I had a lot of fun playing so-and-so. I don't know that guy, but I'd rather just play this person again. And so having those those pairings uh, will kind of help, you know, act as mixers for the group. So that way everybody's uh, meeting new people, playing against new factions, uh, seeing new toys. And so I'm excited to see how that turns out over the over the next couple of months. Hey, I love that. Like, you know, we definitely position ourselves in the Infinity podcasting space as leaning into tournament play, which oftentimes gets perceived as geared towards veterans and i get that but um we certainly have a lot of new players and new people getting into the game coming onto our discord talking on the discord um, listening to the podcast because they want to level up quick and understand how to play competitively um so that they're ready for tournaments and whatnot how do you when you are thinking through an escalation league like this how do you incentivize people to stick with it? Because I think that's one of the challenges is there's oftentimes enthusiasm early on. Everyone's ready to try something new. But, you know, life happens, scheduling, all that stuff. And there's just kind of this natural attrition that seems to unfold with these escalation leagues. Do you keep them shorter? Do you try to keep them compact? Do you just uh, just take it as a given that you're going to lose people over the course of the league? And you're just more concerned with just exposing people to playing a little bit. What are your what's your philosophy? So I would say that I I like to keep them a little bit on the shorter side. So the plan for this one is to run for ten weeks, so just under three months. Uh, we're gonna do five rounds uh, of increasing points. So we'll do one fifty to two fifty, and then three hundred for the last two games. Uh, we're gonna utilize. Uh, some of the direct action missions, but streamlining them a little bit further. So that way the players don't necessarily need to have classified decks. They don't need HVTs. They don't need free models because I'm taking those extras out of those missions. Uh, and a couple of minor tweaks for that. Uh, so trying to make it approachable in that way. 
I think the easier you can make Infinity di to digest and the easier that onboarding process is, the less kind of attrition or burnout you're going to see. Um, also, we're spacing it out so that these are two-week rounds. So you have two you, you, know, you have two weeks to get in those games and report your results. So if you miss a week, no big deal. You can make it up next time. Or if you end up finding uh, a game personally with someone, like, okay, we can't make it out to our regular game night at the store. Uh, I'm, I went ahead and got in touch with my partner, and we're going to go ahead and play at their place on Saturday or something. You know, things like that will also help. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I know that not everyone will necessarily stick with it. That doesn't always happen, but that's the goal. Uh, but I think between spacing it out uh, and keeping it long enough to feel like it's a league, but not something you know that's running half the year, uh, I think that goes a long way. And we're trying to have some participation prizes, uh, so some things, some like little little goodie grab bag type things for new players that are well geared to new players, like uh, you know tokens or uh, markers or silhouettes little things like Bloods, that to try and kind of stuff yeah yeah just kind of ease the ease the onboarding again a little bit uh and looking at doing a you know a painted prize at the end like there's no there's no penalty for not being painted of course but you know to reward painting we're going to do like a little uh of a at the end of the league uh for people that have their their list painted and you know we'll vote on that and get a prize to to who wins that and maybe maybe uh, a couple placements potentially that's still kind of getting hashed out but i'm hoping that some of these things will kind of mitigate that moving forward sounds good um i probably won't participate but i want to give you all my love and support in that how dare you <laughs> why wouldn't you participate well, you know, I don't play on Thursdays usually, so that's part of it. All right. right. Uh, listen, hey, I the truth is I have a hard time throttling it back. That's a, that's a really that's the truth. All the seal clubbing. So, hey, uh, how about you, Ian? Dude, so you put out to the Infinity Universe that you wanted to let everybody in our community decide what faction you're going to be playing. Um, but I know I noticed also you've been tempted by the sweet siren call of Nathan Berg, and you've been playing all sorts of other games. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> he, he says apathetically. Yeah, no, it's um, you know, until the uh, the 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 polling is done and we have a clear winner for what my next faction will be. Uh, I haven't had a whole lot of incentive to throw down Infinity, because uh, I don't want to mess around with some stuff and then you know be switching what I'm doing right in the middle of that. So once that uh, polling's done and we have a faction, I'll be full in. We'll be going on it. And just remember, for all of you that did vote, whatever happens is your fault. Is there someone in the lead right now? Like, what's what are you? Do you have a Rudy give interest? So it's it's not aligned. Uh, we haven't gotten the full results as of the recording of this podcast, but by the time it releases, uh, we'll have had the final winner of that. But yeah. currently, uh, it's it's going to be an NA two faction. So yeah, 
and find out. And again, whatever happens, it's your fault. <laughs> so, um, time, you, yeah, you in the meantime, you've been playing like like old school card games from the nineties. Yeah, yeah, it's been kind of fun because uh, other than Infinity and some other rare exceptions, Nathan and I only apparently play out of print dead games that have you know been gone for 30 years so that's been kind of fun uh we're having a good time with that kind of a nice palate cleanser uh there's also a local blood bowl league that we've been doing and currently as of this recording i am in the top spot so we'll see what's happening i'm the only undefeated player with uh two wins and a draw out of three everybody else has at least one loss sports yeah this is the only time you'll ever hear me excited about any level of sports ball of any type. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. We also got to play a little Street Fighter the other day. That was good. Yep. Yes, uh, the Street Fighter uh, board game is quite a hoot. <laughs> if you can get it, it's expensive. Yeah, yeah if you can get it. But uh, we had some somebody in the community that uh, went all in on it and has all the things. And so, you know, periodically there will be a big old street fighter barbecue good 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 all right we had a some we've been goofing around here a bit but we need to get into some serious business here folks because there's a contentious issue that's been brewing Uh, and the long beards on this podcast have gotten grumbly and complainy off air and we decided we need to put this on the podcast and it's this growing issue of can you have too much of a good thing? Uh, CB continues to produce, print, market these mercenary factions, these mercenary profiles, and put them on everybody's vanilla factions and a lot of sectorials as well. And so we're kind of sitting here going, can you have too much of a good thing? What is the impact of mercenary units in the game of infinity so i don't know like i listen i'm i'm a little grumbly about it but the two of you are even like way more so i don't i'm gonna have to play the devil's advocate at points even though if i don't know if i'll be able to do it completely but i will start with devin because devin really won he came in hot for this episode (laughs) my man what's your issue what's the deal what are mercenary units in Infinity, and like, what what's the problem? All right, so mercenary units in Infinity, I don't, I don't have a problem with the premise of them at all. I think that there Roger. are definitely places in the game where they should exist, specific places where they should exist. Uh, Basically, mercenary units are units that don't necessarily have a home in the major faction or that they're not representative of a major faction, uh, primarily lore-wise. So these are going to be, uh, you know, either troops that come from mercenary companies. They might be um, like bounty hunters. They might be, um, you know, other examples would be like the Liberto or the Monstruckers or... Uh, the tag raid units, so the diggers, trip hammers, beast hunters, those sorts of things are all mercenary units. And the thing that has been that's been grinding my gears 
uh, for mercenary units is that they continue to infiltrate major factions where it doesn't necessarily make sense for them to fit. And also that the profiles tend to be on the pushed side for more recent iterations. I mean, not everything. Like, you don't see uh, Rem Racers, you know, all over the place, for example. But you see Liberto a lot. Um, diggers are fairly frequent. Um, Monstruckers and Bounty Hunters to a little bit of a lesser extent. But then it also ties into the free mercenaries, extras in missions, which I just don't like making people pick up models for things. Like, I have my faction. I don't want other faction. I want my faction. And that's the line. There I stand. I shall move no further. Um, no, no. I mean, I'm going to keep pushing further. Okay. All <laughs> right. And I get so, worse. <laughs> all right, Ian. So take us back because, I mean, you've been, you both have been around a bit longer than me. Um, but I remember that a lot of time these mercenary profiles would pop up as a exclusive miniature tied to a book release or something like that. And it was just generally incentivizing you to get the book and give it, it was like a little bonus. If you go, ha go ahead and get the book or you go ahead and get whatever, you're going to get access to this, this little mercenary troop and they would get sprinkled in. Um, is that like, is that where it started? Did it start before that? Do you have a memory of it bef before that? But I like, I think for me, the first mercenary that really started, I remember like there was a bounty hunter profile uh, way, nice. way back that the big armor that looked cool, but I don't remember it being this big thing that you got to go. The first mercenary troop that I remember really wanting to get a hold of was the Krakot. Like that was for me. Like the profile was so good, especially when I was running vanilla Aleph, that I just I wanted not just one, but sometimes I'd run two of them if if I could squeak them in. Um, so can you give us some context to where these came from and how they've evolved in the game? So mercenary models and profiles go back quite a ways in Infinity. You know, there's all through N3, in fact, a lot of it even uh, into N2, uh, there was mercenary profiles. Now, a lot of it was centered around the ITS seasons. When you go all the way back to uh, the initial ITS seasons, that they did not have a um, uh, a model in them. They actually had, there's like a little trophy. Okay. And then they essentially, you know, after a few seasons of that, they switched it and started putting out um models and the very first ITS model was Max Scorpio authorized bounty hunter and you know it, he's a little bit on the rarer side if you're looking for limited models because uh, there's very few of him printed and you know you had some other stuff like the uh, the battle foam yon yon promotional model uh that they think they only actually made something like 750 of those and that was quite a ways back. So they're a little difficult to find as well. And having some of these models, the idea kind of was that you would get this model, you know, from the book promotion or the, from the, um, 
the ITSCs in or this you know promotion with Battle Foam or you know whoever they ended up doing a promotion with, and that it being a mercenary model, you'd be able to use that in pretty much any faction. And it was a good incentive because, you know, everybody could use the model. Now, there were some more stipulations at the time. Uh, generally, unless your faction included specific mercenaries, like if you're playing uh, Kapu Kalki, you could have, you know, Yan Yans and, you know, X amount of mercenaries because that was kind of their, their loadout. They were the original mercenary faction. Uh, so outside of, you know, something like that, you ran into a thing where you would have to agree with your opponent to use mercenaries, which can evolve into the mercenaries extra as we know right. it now, which, you know, and allowing you to fortune. soldiers of fortune mercenaries extra, you, you know, take 75 points of mercenary for, you know, one extra point of SWC total kind of thing. And I think this all started from a really good spot of like, you know, we got a promo model. We're going to allow everybody to use it. But over time, it's kind of snowballed because there's so many promotional models because they are coming out you know, with every book release or with every ITS season, uh, sometimes multiple ITS seasons because you get the um, the initial ITS release and then you get like the event box later, which has that and then more models. So it's getting you know very big. And they've been folding them into the factions, which, you know, I understand from a business promotional standpoint with things like Defiance and Tag Raid, and, you know, where they want to promote those profiles and give the people that are buying in like that cross utilization in Infinity. But because these profiles are in many cases hyper optimized, many of them being irregular, sometimes even impetuous, so their costs are extremely low they end up getting taken quite a lot. And to the point that there are certain times that you'll fight somebody and they have two, three, four models of the parent faction in the list and the rest are mercenaries because they're so cost efficient and have, you know, X toolbox skills that they can put together and use. And, you know, I, I think that for me, it's, the dilution of faction identity is, you know, concerning part of why I play this game or play a faction is that I like the flavor of that faction. And when every list is I'm looking at is a mercenary list, effectively, it doesn't feel like that faction. Now mm -hmm. I'm not saying that I'm anti-mercenary. I actually think every one of these mercenary models and profiles is fantastic, but I think they also need to be in their proper place. Okay. So I, I already know this. I'm going to have a hard time keeping you too focused on ITS and not get into like the lore and like the thematic stuff. So you can sprinkle that stuff in as we go. But given that we're talking in primarily an ITS setting, Ian, you taught, you kind of touched on the appeal of um, mercenaries, but let's flesh this, flesh this out first. What is like the basic appeal for why you'd want, want to run a mercenary in a faction of any sort, whether uh, vanilla, what we commonly call vanilla factions, the generalist factions, or the sectorials? Why do you want to run them? Why do they show up? And two, 
Was there a tipping point in your mind? Like when did it become the flavorful thing that got added in and then be and tipped over into like, okay, now it's become a, not just a competitive advantage for people to bring, but maybe potentially a problem. We'll get into the problem stuff later. So I think that, you know, the, the reason that you would take mercenary faction stuff in, in a non NA2 faction, NA2 is kind of its own separate thing here. And like NA2 is fantastic because this is where, if you want to play mercenary faction, that's literally where the mercenary factions live. Exactly. And it's fine. But outside of that in normal factions, you know, yes, some smattering of mercenary stuff here and there is okay. In my mind, thematically, like, you know, Neo Terra getting corporate security units makes sense. You know, uh, Imperial service getting authorized bounty hunters makes sense. Things like that. But the reason that people generally want to take mercenary models is because they fill a hole that their faction doesn't have something to fill and, or it does something that they want to do cheaper and more efficiently than another option they already have. And that's where I think the issues are. And it's more and more of these models have cropped up and been presented carte blanche to vanilla factions in particular, but even to some sectorials, you're just seeing more and more and more. And to me, I think that the tipping point, it was, it, it was twofold. It was like first minor tipping point And then second major tipping point. The first minor one is uh, the introduction of the Libertos because that was one of the first truly just optimized profiles that every faction except Pano could take. Cause Hey, there's actually a lore reason there that they followed, but they went a little too far everywhere else, but they were so points efficient for what they did. So that was the start of it. And then the second part was when the finance and Tagrade, the Kickstarter stuff, the Kickstarters, which again, cross promotion, I get it. Business standpoint, I get it, but you're getting stuff, you know, especially with Tagrade, we just don't even have models for these things, but they're put into the, into infinity and they're so cost efficient for what they are that it's in many factions and many lists, it's just like an auto include. And that's the major tipping point was the Kickstarter stuff. Yeah, I agree. If, uh, like I mentioned, I can remember even like a couple years ago when I was running, like I've mentioned on the podcast, I've been getting into vanilla Aleph again. It's been at least two years since I've played vanilla Aleph. And as I was playing vanilla Aleph prior, I would like, I would bring like Krakots one or two in almost every list. And for me, it was just these Krakots at 14 points, 15 points did so much compared to like a Dakini at 13 points. And it was so versatile. I know, I I know (laughs) I'm offending you and your sensibilities, but I'm just talking from a gameplay. I was just like, how do you not run these things? Right. Mm -hmm. Because they, like you said, Ian, they filled gaps that I didn't have um, otherwise. I'll tell you and how you I, don't I, run them. Yeah. Have integrity. That's how. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I don't run them now. 
I'm not running them in any of my um, a, uh, vanilla Aleph's now. You know why? Because you've grown as a person. No, I haven't grown as a person. They've been pushed out, like Devin was saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like there, like there are just way too many better mercenary troops that just are so optimized that, like, you never. I don't even sniff a crackot anymore. Diggers, diggers and, are two wound crackots. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. I mean, that's an oversimplification, but it's it's there. Yeah. <laughs> this and, and we're talking like this. This change in the game is two years old, basically. Yeah, roughly, yeah, I would agree. Roughly. Yeah, because I don't think I mean Defiance didn't really bring a bunch of mercenary stuff into the game. It did bring all of the like crew member units, but at least those are tied to a faction, mm-hmm. and they're relevant to that faction's identity. They do things that that faction makes sense to do. Like Hakislam got Ruhani, who is a great doctor, and mm-hmm. he's a super cool profile. And um, you know, Peno got Uma who is like an interesting camo gunfighter slash specialist. And, okay, Jazz, well, maybe Jazz is a little much, but generally, she's Jazz been nerfed is nerfed cool, twice. You know, she's been nerfed twice, and she's still getting brought all the time. I mean, if you, I think yeah, a big part telling. of it would be knock her down to a standard hacking device. Like, okay, maybe leave Trinity, but knock her, but strip off uh, Cybermask and White Noise. And I think that goes a long way. Um, but anyway, that's less the point. At least that's, you know, it's tied to the faction and that's part of what they do. Like it's a good hacker in nomads. Like that's not an eyebrow razor in and of itself. Um, so I think those were really interesting. Um, but yeah, once we got into tag raid models, I think that that was a pretty big nudge, like seeing beast hunters and diggers Pretty frequently. And trip hammers to a lesser extent, but still there. And part of it wouldn't be so bothersome if they weren't good enough to edge out the best units in other factions. Like, why do you see a Liberto in vanilla combined and in vanilla Aleph and in vanilla nomads? Like, you know, all of these factions that have, you know, several, a couple hundred units between them, and Libertos make it in so many lists, that's pretty telling to me. Like, that means that there is a problem. I don't have a problem with Libertos existing. I think that they just should be in certain places, particularly in um, probably some, like, Vanilla Chuching and maybe some of their sectorals potentially, and Russia some well. NA2 places. Exactly, yeah. So, like, that makes sense. But the thing is, is that... What I see with these is that they are overly optimized. And if they're coming up in multiple vanilla factions with really any consistency, with the massive breadth of options you have in a vanilla faction, to see Diggers and Liberto kind of being the main ones, and actually Beast Hunters a fair amount too, like to see all Ooh. these units show up so much. I don't I don't understand how that couldn't be perceived as a problem. Like that yeah. that tells me that there's something unhealthy going on from a mechanics perspective, not necessarily from a lore perspective, Thank even you. though that is also true. Yes. Thank you. That's all I ask. Just that's <laughs> well, all I and, ask. And, and even on the mechanics perspective, it again gets exaggerated even further in the specific case of vanilla Pano because of Joan. 
being allowed to have her inspiring leadership in vanilla and then interacting with so many yeah. of these cheap, irregular profiles and turning them regular. Uh, I don't know if this says more about the any or about the the mercenary stuff in vanilla or more about how inspiring leadership shouldn't be available to vanilla. Uh, yeah, like Wallace only gets his inspiring leadership in a sectorial, but not in vanilla as it should be, which is as it should be. Um, but Joan, it's just another level of, you know, kind of ridiculous with what can be paired with all of that. Cause you know, you can take your, you know, huge heavy infantry pain train that costs, you know, 200 plus points. And then you can still hit your 15 model max because of all the cheap guys that she's turning regular then. Uh, and I, I think it just exaggerates the 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 issue to a obscene this, degree. Uh, like I I hear your point. I don't even find like the inspiring leadership that big of an issue because mm-hmm. it's not like vanilla pano is like rolling everywhere. Like it, yeah. it. What what I think when you see actually see is it's kind of difficult to be competitive vanilla pano without Joan. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not, and I'm not saying that it's not doable. Listen, we, we, we all know that there's just tons of ways to skin a cat, but it's predominant in that generalist faction because of the high priced nature of the unit. So you have to find ways of generating orders. I think when I look at this issue, for me, it is the mechanics piece more than the lore piece. And that is that there are just certain profiles that push out everything else. It's and, and, and at that point, then you, I do think you actually have a problem, especially when it's not native to the faction and it's ubiquitous across um, all the factions. So, okay. So let's pull back a little bit and just, we've talked about how they, they're optimized. We're talk, we've talked about how they're budgeted. We talk about how they fill gaps. What are some of the roles that you see? these true trooper profiles filling uh, and maybe highlight the ones that you think are the clear standouts. Cause there are actually a lot of make, um, mercenaries that don't make a lot of lists. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when Octavia came out and people talked about yeah. her potentiality, but no one brings her. I never see her run anywhere. Right. So um, I anywhere. feel like, I feel like, um, that there are some pretty standout abusive profiles that we're, we're essentially talking about here. And I think it's worth us talking about what, who they are, why they're brought, what roles they fill. And then maybe we can talk a little bit about how you counter them, how you deal with them, just some tactics Mm -hmm. around that. Yeah. I mean, the generally they, form these quasi warband roles. They're template harassers, generally speaking, because to me, the standouts are going to be beast hunters, liberto and diggers. Those are probably the most offensive uh, as far as mercenary options go from a, from a power perspective. And the thing that all of these have in common is that they have template weapons and they are more difficult to remove than expected for their points cost. They either have mimetism, great dodge bonuses, an effective extra wound, 
uh, or you know things along those lines that make each of these much trickier than they might be otherwise. Camouflage also comes up on on the Liberto and uh, some the beast hunter profiles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that with the diggers, they're so cheap and they get a booty roll, which sometimes is going to be something pretty mundane, like you know an extra pip of armor. But sometimes it's going to be, oh, well, now it's also Mimetism 6. Or now it's also plus 4 armor. So now you have a 7 armor, 14-point model with some chain rifles. Or, you know, other kind of egregious options that can be rolled. That, sure, it's not always going to be a problem. But sometimes, like, just by nature of getting some booty results, they end up... uh, becoming significantly more impactful than their points cost would suggest on top of like honestly even if they didn't have booty they'd be good like they're still regular yeah they're impetuous but their two wound double chain rifle models is typically the version that's brought but yeah and i think that you see these most in factions that don't have you know the cheap five to eight point warbands because these yeah. fill that role that's that's right. How about you, Ian? Is there anyone else, any other profiles that you'd add to Devin's list of Liberto, Digger, Beast Hunter? Uh, to a lesser degree, I would also add authorized bounty hunters, motorized and on foot, and uh, CSUs. Although CSUs are kind of a distant one on that, and the reason being that both of these tend to be very cheap, as well as the fact that. Uh, the bounty hunters, like for the you know 10, 11 points that most of the profiles are, you're going to be taking it for what it has, and then it still gets a booty roll. And CSUs get a meta chemistry roll. So depending on what you're getting there, like it could make them wildly, you know, overpowered in terms of what they're doing compared to other roles. It's the, a lot of the random nature of the the booty and meta chem roles, which I like. I think they're cool. But sometimes you just get something that is just absolutely over the top and ridiculous. Dude, totally. Like, oof. I'll, I'll, give you an ex- I'll give you an example. I was playing uh, Trevor the other day, and uh, I rolled up MSV1 on my Red Fury motorized um, bike. Huh? Think So think about that. For 16 points, I've got a bike that can move 8-6. It's got a ballistic skill 12, burst 4 weapon, that's mid-ranged, I, and I stack on that, Mimetism minus 3, and MSV1. Mm-hmm. That's about as good as I could ask for of a 30-point troop. So I, I've had similar. I, um, I had a game against Azoka, and my free motorized bounty hunter rolled an HMG and then because of its movement was able to get angles to catch both of his tags out of cover and shredded both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. And then even one of my games at, at uh, Salt Lake uh, Showdown this past season, we were playing Mind Wipe and both of my Ermandijos who have booty, again, they're not a mercenary troop in Cosmo, but they're kind of like, and they fill in the same role with the, with the booty role. We're playing Mindwipe, and both of my Ermandijos rolled 8-4 move. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, like you just pointed out, Irmandino, though, it's faction-specific. I think we don't have a problem with that. I think when it, when you have access to, like, just, like... So here's the thing I would, like, want to nuance, though, a little bit. First of all, I would add to the list... I know this does, doesn't isn't as seen as often, but for a while it was, before it got crowded out, the Monstrucker. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like that showed up a lot in previous seasons. Um, it just, ever since, like you said, Devin, ever since the um, the Kickstarters and yeah. Beast Hunters and that kind of thing has, has crowded out. But similar kind of issue of it's got a, a template, it's dropping drop bears. And what's unique about it is it's a specialist. Exactly. Right? So, like, that is that's phenomenal well, for a 12-point troop. With mobility. With real mobile, Like, climbing plus. Like, really a great profile. Yeah. I think they're super fantastic. Again, I think all of the mercenary models and profiles are super cool and super fantastic. My issue is just how ubiquitous... They are the availability. I think that many of them just need to be scaled back to specific factions. Like, like the Libertos. Before we get into the solving it, we're going to. How do we deal with it now? Yes. So how do we deal with it now? Kill it it all with fire. So I feel like there's two basic roles that these profiles operate in. The first is this kind of defensive warband type of profile where it's laying lots of templates, it's laying down mines, it's a cheap ARO presence, like the Beast Hunter with a Panzerfaust and Mine Lair is phenomenal at defending, right? The Monstrucker is phenomenal at defending. Like anything that allows you with its irregular order to just drop a mine or put a uh, drop bear somewhere um, with, and you don't have to do anything other than that, I love those. Um, the Liberto is great at defending in the middle of the board. Yes, it can go on a run too. And that was my second thing is there are certain profiles that are really good attack pieces that you can dump a ton of orders in. The motorized ba- uh, bounty hunter is one of them that we've already highlighted. I think the Liberto, it can do both. It can flex either as a defensive piece or it can go on an attack run. Like more classically, it's it's something like uh, McMurder, right? Where relatively cheap, and you just send it on as a missile. But McMurder was always constrained to certain factions. I think again, what we're talking about here is what's the stuff that's showing up across the board, especially in vanilla factions. So I think f- the first thing we've got to do when we're talking about this is what's the role when you see these things across the board from you. What role is it serving? Is it defending or is it attacking or can it flex on both? Would you guys agree with me or would there be some nuance that you'd want to bring to this? Uh, I would just point out that generally speaking, most of these adequately perform at both or better. Like typically, like sure, diggers make great corner guards, but they're also impetuous and can charge towards you and can, you know, shrug a hit and throw templates on things and spread out a lot of damage potentially. Mm. And I think that that's, I've never had one go off on me, I guess I like, maybe I'm not appreciating it. Well, like, um, at the, at the Krug this past year, 
that was one thing that Melissa did because she was playing Toha and we had Frostbite and there are very few heavy infantry options. So she brought a pair of diggers at, uh, for for that in particular. And yeah, she would come at, uh, come up to me, you know, like, oh, I rolled a monofilament weapon with my te- with my uh, with my digger and I killed one of these really big models. Like it was one of the tags. I don't know which it was. It got monofilamented anyway. Or, you know. And because she also brought the trip hammer, because again, in Frostbite, you know, they don't suffer killer cold. Like, oh yeah, I ran it three games, and two games it got mimetism minus six, and the other yeah. game it got total immunity. That's brutal. <laughs> and so yeah, that one's a little bit more tangential. But yeah, as far as diggers go, I think that they can pretty easily flex. Um, and I think that kind of all of these can, but if they're impetuous. Or if they're irregular, you're more likely to do so because you've already got activations in their direction. How about you, Ian? Anything else that you think in terms of application of how to use these profiles? Yeah, I, I, I think that there's just a lot of places where they add unneeded redundancy to certain factions where they're just doing the same thing something else does, but just by the fact that they do it cheaper. It's cheaper. What, it's really, I mean, that's what I feel like yeah. what it boils down to. Now yeah. you guys are going to talk, let's talk about solutions here, but I'll just mm-hmm. put it out there. I think for most of it, most of them, it's just changing the points. Yeah. Uh, honestly, like that's the simple solution. I You can talk about like limiting certain profiles to certain factions and, fluff wise it will work make more sense and all that other stuff but if you just balance the points on on a lot of them it opens up tons of well yeah and balancing the points does but i also liked the reevaluating what factions and sectorials get what profiles because it's not as if like every faction can take mcmurrow He's already yep. limited to a handful of factions. As it keeps getting exam. added into others, though, well, <laughs> the power true. creep keeps happening. True, but there's many of these, many of the mercenary models that are already limited to a handful of factions, and I don't see why we can't do that with a lot of the rest and and make it to go along with the fluff reasons of why this person is this. Like the reason that Libertas aren't in Pano is because they're rebelling against Pano. The reason they should be in Yuching is because they're supplied by them. Like, literally, the, the Libertos weapons are Yuching weapons. So they should be available to Yuching. They should be available to Dashat because that's part of their background and lore. But not Aleph. They, they, they should not yeah. be available to Aleph. They should not be available to Combined Army. Yep. Like, these are things that, like, it doesn't make any sense. I think that's, like, a more interesting change, like, shift in that... I like having power pieces in factions. I mm-hmm. like having standout profiles. A lot That's of people why. gripe gripe about that. I actually think that makes it kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and agree. it also and it also kind of tells you what you're going to be facing when you know exactly like what the power pieces are. Um, it makes solving the puzzle a little bit more. That's probably like the more interesting solution. But like, yeah. I think just the more just across the board, the like simple solution is just 
changing points, costs, and skills. It's just kind of like Nauf. He was a nothing for forever. And then he got a couple tweaks, and now he shows up in a bunch of different factions. You know, I mean, fortunately, he shows up in Pano, who we would never work for if you've actually read Outrage. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I'm not going to get off of this. Like, the, 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 everything should flow from the fluff in the background to the game and then should be balanced for gameplay from there. Yeah, I mean, that is definitely something I prefer, but I understand that that's not important to everybody. Not everyone is versed on the lore. Not everyone is interested to be that way, and that's fine. And the thing is, is that if if the units were available and just not in this pushing auto-include territory, I can continue like I have been just to not pick them for myself. Mm -hmm. But... But, like we mentioned earlier, the reason I think that this is a problem is because they're pushing out space in vanilla factions where, theoretically, a faction has all of its greatest tools available to it. And I also think it just makes the game less interesting and less fun that, oh, yeah, sure, yeah, it's good for everybody to have power pieces, 100%. But if vanilla Pano's power piece is a digger and vanilla Nomad's power piece is a digger... And, you know, Vanilla Ju Jing's power piece is a digger. Mm -hmm. You know, not to say Absolutely. that is specifically the case, but that's that dilutes the the feel and the character of the game, especially when it's already sometimes difficult to adequately articulate the interest, the power, the capabilities of a vanilla faction. Because mm -hmm. it's something that comes up a lot where it's like, oh, yeah, well, they can do a little bit of everything, but, you know. Pano shoots a little bit better and nomads have a lot of hacking stuff and Ju Ching has a lot of great heavy infantry or, you know, all of those things that we've kind of just learned to regurgitate over the years. Mm -hmm. I think that this kind of muddies the waters even further, which I don't like. So both from, you know, from an aesthetics, from a lore perspective, it, it seems nonsensical and kind of breaks this immersion a little bit, but from a mechanical and gameplay perspective, it just, really rubs me the wrong way that you know these shouldn't be everywhere and okay. they show up far more commonly than they should and raising the points is kind of the bare minimum solution i would want but i think that the most egregious ones should go up some uh maybe tweaks in some instances like okay maybe diggers don't need to go up in points maybe they just need to lose booty or mm -hmm whatever the case may be, and then kind of shunt them into relevant factions so that I don't see them anytime I play a vanilla player. I got a question for you both. Mm -hmm. Devil's advocate here. You make these changes, you restrict mm -hmm. them, you tamp them down, you, sh you, sh you shunt them to certain factions, you raise the prices. What are the un unintended consequences? Like, do you start to harm the ability of certain factions to be competitive with sectorials? Because you guys both like to run sectorials. You mm -hmm. generally don't run vanilla. Um, so I'm I'm curious if a, a vanilla player... Like, I, I can tell you this. As running vanilla Aleph right now, you take away some of those... Um, I've run in three to five uh, mercenaries in my lists. Uh, depending upon the list, and you, you take 
and you, I know, and you <laughs> take away some of those for me, those tools, especially as I've, I've already had net rods increased and I've already had, like, yeah. I've already had all these other things happen. And now you're really starting to constrict my op, my tools to be competitive with your sectorials. Well, I would say that every vanilla faction is competitive without mercenary troops. With just the internal stuff, it, they are competitive. The problem is, is that because everybody is getting these options and they are so efficient that it dilutes the faction identity. So all the factions are playing the same. And the reason that I play this game, a reason that a lot of people play, not just Infinity, but war games and stuff like that, is that because the factions have identities and each one plays differently and has a different flavor. And that's fun. And once you remove that and everybody's playing everything kind of the same across the board with the same options, well, you might as well just play chess. Yeah, but it's not even close to that. That's like not, it's not even close to like everyone playing the same things. Yeah. Except I see a Liberto in like every faction that I play against. That's true. Yeah. You see, that's the most egregious for sure. Everyone who's got access to Liberto runs a Liberto. But what I'm saying is, is that it's not that we are at the point of not having faction identity, but the faction identity is diluted. So it's getting to the point where it's like, I'm doesn't matter who I'm playing against, what faction I'm playing against. I'm seeing the same things over and over and over. And that's boring. And yeah. I don't think that's good for the game. And I will say it again. Your vanilla faction is competitive without using mercenary troops. If everybody was not using mercenary troops, guess what? It would still be balanced and competitive. Yeah, so I think that there there could be some negative consequences for some mm-hmm. some vanilla lists in removing a lot of these mercenaries. That's definitely possible. But like Ian said, this would be kind of an across the board change uh, for a lot of uh, a lot of vanilla lists. Um, Mainly vanilla lists. We're not really talking about yeah. sectorials. Most mostly, I I do think that there are things in some sectorials that also don't really make a lot of sense and could read and to be moved out. But I don't want to go through the details on that sort of thing, really. But as far as that goes, yeah, generally the the top end offenders tend to be from vanilla because they're available to to every vanilla faction. Um, But yeah, I think that it would be something that is definitely worth observing and keeping an eye on things. But right now, vanilla factions are performing the best overall in terms of Corvus Belly stats that they gave us this year. The, you know, um, like the most efficient, I believe is what they called it, who got the most, the faction with the highest win-loss ratio was Vanilla Aleph. And uh, Combined Army, Vanilla Combined Army, what was that? That was just highest, highest popularity or most games played. Most, I think it was most wins overall. That's what it was. It was most wins overall, but Aleph had a higher win percentage, but wasn't played as much. But anyway, the top performers tend to be vanilla anyway, so maybe a slight nudge wouldn't be a big deficit uh, to begin with. I think we found the real root of your issues. <laughs> you guys <laughs> just hate vanilla. I, I don't no hate vanilla. vanilla. So the thing is, is I don't 
enjoy playing vanilla, uh, which I've said this many times on the podcast, but I I really like focusing in on a theme, and that's a lot of what a sectoral brings me. And that's part of why a lot of this tends to grate on me more from from a lore perspective or a or an aesthetics perspective. Like, okay, why is this, you know, random fish man hanging out with my, you know, AI fragments or whatever the case may be? There is that. But, you know, if data is indicating that these factions are overall doing very well, is that going to then knock them into unviability? Probably not. Yeah, I do think it's okay. All right. All right. I do think it's worth observing. And I do think like the net rod change, like they didn't need to be six points. Imatrons didn't need to be six points. Those could probably get knocked down to five. It could have been fixed by not allowing them to take Libertos, and then you would actually yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, see here. Actually, I would argue part of my move towards more of these um, cheaper warbands was because my that nudge net rods got more expensive. I didn't run as many of these warbands in my vanilla list until that happened. I w- I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Yeah, I think that that was kind of an unnecessary change and that could be either entirely reverted or maybe knock them down to five points. My, my kind of break point there is like at least five points and maybe back down to where they were just because five points in this game can buy you a regular trooper that actually has a weapon. So why would a net rod ever cost that much or more? Mm-hmm. And some people may say, oh, well, because they're veteran. Well, that doesn't matter, because if you're in Lost Lieutenant, you can't spend an irregular order on a net rod. So if it wasn't veteran, it would have no purpose. So uh, that that's, an, that's something else entirely. But I agree that that kind of incentivizes these cheap troops, and it tends to be in these elite factions, in Aleph and Combined in particular, because they have the highest top end of most factions. There are plenty of factions that don't have models that are over 90 points. Yeah, it's and hard for me to think of Ariadna leaning hard, vanilla Ariadna leaning hard into um, mercenaries. Yeah, I could take a Liberto, but for the same points, I could get an Armandino who does similar things and it's a specialist. Or yeah. I could just go ahead and get like a five, six point Gaulwegian. Right. Yeah, you can get other things for even cheaper. And so. Yeah. They're yeah, the same think, thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's most notable on factions with higher high ends and lesser or non-existent low ends. And so, yeah, I can see why that would push you to more uh, more mercenary troops. And if they were just good or interesting alternatives that I could just elect not to use, sure, okay. But the fact that they're so prevalent and so sought after compared to other options is the problem. In mm-hmm. in my mind, the the biggest component of the issue to me is that it's not just that, oh, I could do this, or this might be interesting to try this out as a side grade. It's no, this is obviously a better choice for these points. Yeah. Which I don't like. No, I think it's fair. I okay, I concede to both of you. <laughs> Yeah, like the truth is you're right like it is an issue i think it's a little bit annoying and this is someone who who um uses them you know mm-hmm. but that's because i'm a power gamer i guess 
How dare you? Yes, you are. No, and, and you know, there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't no. begrudge people for taking these options. I I elect not to uh, for mention, moral, uh, reasons moral reasons. Moral. Yeah, so can, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. It's so I can have the high ground, Anakin. And, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, honestly, like, sure, I won't pick them, but I don't think people are wrong for picking them. I think Corvus Belli should look into this and address this so it doesn't mean it is the most optimal choice to do so. And I mean, yeah. if someone runs, you know, two, three, four, five mercenaries, does that mean that they've tipped this point in uh, effectiveness that now they're significantly favored to win over someone who's not? I don't know. It, it could be, but I don't think that this is game-breaking. I think you still have to, like balance the irregular issue like there's there's a there's a balance to how many regular orders you can take if you're not running an inspiring leadership character like that there's some nuance to that but yeah i think we're seeing pretty clearly you can get away with three to as many as five mm-hmm. um and st- depending upon their their the contours of their skills and it's not going to hurt you too bad. I would, I would guess like yeah. three is the ideal. Especially setup. since some of these are regular. Mm-hmm. So you don't even have that issue. But, but yeah, I, I don't think that this is a game-breaking issue. But I could see it becoming a problem if the trend continues. You know, if we get another, if we get another big push the next year. Because this has been, you know, kind of year over year we've had a small push and then a larger push. And if we had another another game that pushed another handful of units, um, you know, that that may be where it's actually a problem for the health of the game. I certainly hope that that's not the case. And I don't think the game is unhealthy now, but it could always be better. Sure. I, I, I think um, it could be a, a lot better on this front. Like I just, like I said at the beginning of our episode, it's really noticeable to me that Krakots don't even make the cut anymore. And just this two years mm-hmm. removed. So, um, yeah. all right. Well, all right. So Corvus belly, they don't listen to us. <laughs> they don't listen to this podcast. So I guess we're whistling in the wind. Uh, but thank you everyone else to who, li- uh, who listens to us. We're going to get to our final thoughts. <laughs> Um, we want to remind you of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a number of benefits such as access to extra content. So just know that hundred percent of the funds that, uh, you give to us gets put right back into the podcast. You can find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as a link to our discord channel. And speaking of discord, come join our community. Super supportive of everything Infinity. With that said, Devin, Ian, do you have any final thoughts? Anything left? Did you hold anything back? I just think that you know, if I, if I were to overall summarize my thoughts uh, on this topic, it hasn't ruined the game, but it has the potential to do so if it were to progress. And I don't want to see this be an increasing trend uh, and ideally I'd like to see it paired back. I think that these units are cool ideas, 
I think that they are fine things to have in the game, but probably some of them need a little bit of tweaking. But I think they're fine to have in the game. I just wish that they were in places that were more appropriate. Uh, things where they they fit the faction that they were in better, like they were in a mercenary company for this, that, or the other. Like maybe you know, NA two gets a Mines Corp faction, and they can have extra digger profiles, and they can have you know three trip hammers or four trip hammers, whatever. Like I think that there are ways to implement these things without shoehorning them into every faction, more or less. Uh, so that would be my ideal is take some of the take some of the egregious profiles, iron them out a little bit in one way or another, and then kind of give them a home where they really belong and let those shine on that. I totally agree with you. NA2 seems to make the most sense. Is no yep. one ever complains about those mercenary factions being overpowered. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. And yeah, I think that it could make those more interesting and you could have fewer faction main faction units in those uh, by using some of the, I, I'd like to see in fact more mercenaries in the form of replacing units in some of these sectorals that are mercenary factions kind of like, okay, well you don't need orcs. You need this new unit that is a mercenary unit for you. This is for your faction. This is something like how brawlers are yeah. baseline for NA2. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I think that that's kind of what I would like to see. I'd like to see their identity be shaped by NA2 rather than bleeding over and kind of stealing identity from main factions. Mm -hmm. How about you, Ian? Final thoughts? Well, I, I agree with everything that Devin said. I, I like the mercenaries. I do. I like NA2. I think that mercenaries have their place in sectorials and vanilla factions of non-NA2 armies, but in moderation where it makes sense thematically and as well as rules-wise. I think this is all fantastic, but pair it back, moderation, have it go where it makes sense. That said, Corvus Belly, it's been, what, two, three years? Where's my Rem Racer models? Holy. Just saying. I really want those. Like, we don't have a concept or not. I want those that profiles been up. This is like the weirdest one because it's been up and like almost every time there's a mercenary profile, like that's in the ITS season kind of thing. And no, we got this and no models whatsoever. Not been in ITS season. I want my Rem Racer models. I don't even care what no, they look like. I want them. I, I just Rem ran a Rem. Rem Racer profile the other day, and I used the Absara model. Yeah. Well, which is fair, but I also don't want to proxy a model for a Forever. profile. This should have a model. For That's two good. to three years now that we've had this profile with no model. Yeah. So Ian wants <laughs> more models. Surprise, surprise. Yes, more models. Yeah. All right. Well, That's for my sure. final thought, yes, it's annoying, but I want you, the listener, to know that if we ever face each other in a tournament, I will never hold it against you for run bringing a mercenary. Never you will. have my you have my blessing. Oh, I'm silent judgment. <laughs> like I'm not a monster. 
I'm not going to call somebody out at the table. <laughs> I'm going to talk about it over drinks at the end. <laughs> Fair. Hey, on that note, on behalf of the podcast, this has been Andrew. Devin. And Ian. And that's the meta.